0: Welcome to another edition of Tapeheads, '80s music and beyond—the well-oiled puzzle that talks about all kinds of '80s music.
1: <laughs> that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I love it <laughs>
0: so much. That's a quote from C.C. DeVille, by the by the way.
1: I'm Bland. I'm down here in the Southland, uh, where it is only—it was 101 degrees today. It's cool enough.
0: Well, thank God we have a weather report. Hey, you're welcome. We always do the weather report in the beginning. Uh, this is Todd, and I'm in beautiful. Portland, Oregon.
1: But it's not beautiful along the freeways and downtown. You get to see all kinds of people camping.
0: But it is beautiful in my neighborhood, up in the forest, on the hill.
1: It is. It is. It really is. What are we talking about today?
0: Today's episode is a little different uh, than most of ours have been. Most of ours have been stuff we really love, with the exception of Band-Aid, probably. (laughs) The thing that's different about this episode is that we're mostly talking not about the band's music but about the band's story
1: this is a band that i never liked of course i was not into pop music and this was really the pop music that was playing on the channel that i didn't listen to and i remember listening to this album at my cousins because my niece had it, or excuse me my uh cousin who was a girl had this album And we played it and listened to it and, of course, made fun of it and thought it was terrible. And that was before this whole story came out.
0: Mm -hmm. And who are we talking
1: about? We're talking about Milli Vanilli. Yes. The infamous duo that I think, uh, who was the guy that one of the guys had said something about that this album was better than, I think, the Beatles and I can't remember, a few other groups he said.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that. Here's a little inside Tape Heads news, kind of. We don't usually talk to each other while we're doing research before we do the episode. We know who we're going to talk about, and we know sort of what we want to focus on, sort of. And then we just go off and do our research separately, and we don't check in with each other. But in this case, we talked a little bit about what we wanted this to be about, and we decided that the real story with Millie Vanilli is not with the two guys. Or part of the story is with the two main guys, but the real story is with the producer, the guy behind the scenes, who was really running the show.
1: Yeah, and these are these were guys that, they were dancers, and they they thought that they were musicians and wanted to make it, they wanted to be famous, but in the music world. Somebody gave them an opportunity, and they took it and kind of got snookered into it and got so far into it that there was... A point that they just couldn't do anything but, but go along with it. So I do feel sorry for
0: them in a way. I think that's actually a really interesting part of the story. And let's, let's, let's dive a little deeper into it. All right. They actually were performers. In addition to just being dancers, they were performers, musical performers. They had a single out called Danse, French for dance. What was the name of the band? Empire Bazaar was the name of the band. The song was called Danse. Not bad. It's just a typical little pop song. But they were singing on it. They could sing. By the time they met up with Frank Farion, that was the producer, he had heard them sing, he had seen them dance, he thought they looked cool. Oh, these guys are going to be perfect. So there are two interesting things right off the bat about this song. Number one, did you know it's a cover song? Did you know that Girl, You Know It's True is not their song? It's a cover. Yes, I did know that. Okay. The original was by a band called New Marks, a UK band. Not a bad version. It's very slow compared to the version we all know. And the other interesting thing about this is it was not the first time Frank Farion had done this with a band. He had a band called Boney M, which was his own creation. He sang and wrote the songs himself, did all the parts, made it sound like male and female voices and everything. And then when it came to playing live, he got two black guys and two black women to lip sync <laughs> on TV and in shows and everything, live shows, using live with air quotes. So he was already well down this rabbit hole in... You know he had a lot of experience with, and they sold hundreds of millions of albums. Boney M. did, if you can believe that. I'd never even heard of him.
1: <laughs> well, and he was also in a group even before that. He was, I believe, in the seventies. He was in a group and had done records too, even before he had done this.
0: Wasn't he like a crooner, like under his own name? Uh, I
1: don't. I don't quite remember. I didn't delve deep into him.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think he did. I think he was. He had an album, a solo album of like... It was written in that 1950s kind of font, you know? So I think he had a crooner record. Type it's fact checker here. That's no crooner album, that's Frank's greatest hits.
1: Yeah, so I mean, he was a producer and really wanted to produce a sound that he wanted to do, yet he didn't necessarily have the people that we're going to front this, you know, it was his, of his own making. And so he had hired some singers to sing on, on this. And if I remember correctly, when he had hired the two guys from Millie Vanilli, had he already done the vocals for this? Was it like a guide vocals that he hired people to do? And then he hired the Millie Vanilli guys to come in and sing it. And he didn't like what they did. Or did he ever even have them sing on this album?
0: never did have them sing on this. He brought him into the studio where he worked, which is actually the same studio that he recorded, I think, and produced, Stevie Wonder. He produced, I Just Called to Say I Love You. He also produced someone who we hate, you and I. I'll give you a hint, his middle name is Trent. Terrence Trent Darby.
1: Who's another person that said that he was better than the Beatles, that his album was better (laughs) than the Beatles?
0: So weird. Come on, guys.
1: Shoot yourself in the foot by saying something absolutely ridiculous.
0: So they go to Frank's studio, and they walk in, and he's got all these huge mixers with all nicest gear, imaginable, gold records up on the wall from being with Stevie Wonder and Terrence Trent Darby. And these guys are just like, whoa, this is amazing. This guy is unbelievable. And so he pulls up a mix of Girl, You Know It's True, but it's instrumental. So he's playing it, and it's just thumping in the room, and these guys are like, wow, this is going to be our song. This could be for us. This is a dream come true. They didn't realize, and he didn't tell them, of course, that this was not (laughs) their song, (laughs) or that. So, as they and they go into the other room, and he signs a recording contract with them. As soon as he signs that, well, they're like, "Oh, well, when do we get to sing?" "Oh, we already have voices on this for this song. We don't need you for this one, but you know, we'll we'll see if we can maybe fit you in on the rest of the album." Really? I don't know.
1: So they had this album out, and it was a pretty big hit. I don't know how many albums they had sold, but they had sold, I think, something like 17 million copies.
0: 14 million albums, 33 million singles.
1: Okay. Huge So they sold a lot of (laughs) records. And they were playing live for either for MTV or was some kind of an audience that was being broadcast on MTV. Yes, it was an MTV show. And the hard drive which really surprised me that they had a hard drive back then same
0: here i've noticed that the music too.
1: was on a hard drive and something skipped and i think that uh, they didn't know what to do because of course you know the music's not happening and one of the guys ran off and i think it was uh, it was rob is it downtown julie brown yeah she kind of coaxed them to come back up on the stage and uh you know just finish the set and and they did and this is how it really got started that the american public finally figured out that these guys were not on the album they had already won a grammy for best new artists which we know a lot of times the best new artist is not necessarily the best new
0: artist yeah they were up against the indigo girls (laughs) Oh, really? Yes, they were.
1: <laughs> so um, at some point after this, you know, the public went mad. What, what, what happened with the public?
0: There were certain people who had started to kind of raise questions about uh, the authenticity of the performances of Millie Vanilli, even before the skipping song
1: and part of the american public was questioning because these guys had very very thick accents. Yes. In real life yet this what they're singing was not very thick. The you know it sounded like a an english person or a or an american or whatever singing these songs.
0: So Fab has a very thick french accent and he didn't speak english very well at the time. And Rob spoke english fine but he had a very thick german accent. But yet, when you put on the album, all the accents just sound perfect. All the rapping, all the singing is all perfect American English, because <laughs> all the singers were American.
1: So there were there were people questioning if this was them or not, and then this this MTV, uh, this happened, and. People started having an uproar. People wanted their money back. They wanted to sue because they purchased they the sued. album. As, Isn't
0: that so they, weird? They
1: purchased the album and it wasn't there. They weren't The people that were singing on it were not them.
0: The funny thing I thought about that was that they actually people sued Rob and Fab. Right. They didn't sue the record company. They sued those guys personally. Caused them hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees that they didn't have. Oh, my gosh. It would be like if you and I were like, oh, man, the Star Wars prequels suck. Let's uh, sue uh, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman.
1: (laughs) And Jar Jar.
0: Ahmed Best. (laughs) I
1: actually like the prequels, so... uh, I don't.
0: I'm going to have to sue George Lucas. But yeah, that's what that's what it would be the same thing as doing because those guys didn't have any; they, they weren't on it. They're not going to have any royalty money.
1: So this big thing happened. The Grammy was 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 taken away. They were getting sued. Now let's go back to the beginning on what happened. You were saying that basically they came in and this music was already done, right? And I think I did read somewhere that. Uh, the producer didn't like the way that they sounded when they were doing the thing, so he kept these guys. So I think maybe he was going to have them come in, and they were maybe guide vocals that were used on the track, and he just kept them on there. And he was having them go out and do public performances while lip-syncing, lip-syncing to this music that had already been recorded, and their names were on 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 the record.
0: Yeah, they were, on the on the American version of the record. Not on the original, the German one. Yeah, but they they had their names, Fab and Rob, on the the album cover. And they were
1: questioning, okay, well, when are we going to go into the studio and record with our real voices? And I think they were told, well, we'll do this after these three, four shows, whatever. And it never happened.
0: Yeah, nobody thought this album was going to be a huge success, and then it was. Right. And actually, once Rob and Fab found out that their voices were never going to be used on the album... They were like, all right, well, we're out. We don't want any part of this. But they were too deep in. Right. And and then Frank Farion said, all right, sure, man, you guys can leave. You don't have to stay. All you have to do, pay me back. And he had loaned them, you know, given them little advances and stuff, a few thousand dollars here and there. They spent a bunch of money on clothes and get their cool hair extensions and all that. So he knew they didn't have any money. And they were like, okay, well, I guess... Now that this song is getting a little bit of traction, I guess we'll see how it goes and maybe go along for the ride and just see where it takes us. Make some money. But they're always, okay, we just need to make enough money to pay Frank off and then we can go our own way. And they never were able to do that.
1: So what happened to the guys that originally sang on it?
0: They were sworn to secrecy, couldn't tell anybody about it.
1: So they couldn't tell anybody, and people were questioning, and they couldn't say anything. And they were asked about it, too. And I think eventually they did, but that might have been after it came out.
0: Yes, after it came out, the rapper guy, his name Charles Shaw, he started going a little bit to the press. And Frank found out about it. He's like, you can't do this. you know. Stop. <laughs> Gave him a bunch of money and uh, kept him quiet.
1: I forgot that there was rap in these songs. Yeah. Now, you if you're an English singer, you know, like Paul McCartney, he's got this accent. Yet when he sings, he he sounds like a, a to me like a, an American, right?
0: Yeah. Learn to sing to all the American stuff.
1: But if you're rapping, it's really hard to have a French accent or a <laughs> German accent and rap and not sound like you're a foreigner. Yes. To us. yeah. So how that was not questioned more, I don't know. Maybe people just want to think what they think. And
0: The other thing I think, you know, you can tell, the, the 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 people who sang on the album were quite a bit older. Rob and Fab were like early 20s when this came out. And the background singers, one of the guys was almost 50 years old, and the other guy was in his early 30s. And the women were in their early, mid-30s. And and your the human voice sounds different when you're almost fifty than it does when oh, yeah. you're early twenties. I mean look at us, look how sexy we are now. <laughs> yeah. But No, you're not. Y- if you can tell <laughs> But you can tell the difference. And if you listen to the album with that in mind, and then looking at the, the pictures of the guys, how young they were, there's a complete mismatch.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I, you know, but I've never thought of it that way. Mm. And when I listened to it, like I, I told you originally, when I listened to it at my cousin's house, I didn't think anything about that they they sounded older than <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I thought it was them.
0: I mean, we had no reason not to think it was them. Correct.
1: You're right. Why would you think that? But I
0: remember thinking, "Wow, they sure sound. They sure sound like they're oh, they're like old souls or something." And they also sound. Really American. I hadn't seen interviews or anything at that point. But then as soon as interviews started coming out and you'd watch them on MTV, you're like, wow, this doesn't sound anything like I thought they would sound.
1: I mean, I thought they were ridiculous. Bye, 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 baby. Don't forget my number. Yes.
0: That was my least favorite song of theirs.
1: (laughs) You know which was my least favorite? Which one? The whole album.
0: (laughs) I liked uh, the last song, Blame It on the Rain. Really? Yeah, you know who wrote that? Diane Warren. (laughs) Oh, really? What? (laughs) Yes, she's worked with Cher and she's worked with uh, Celine Dion and all these huge people. She's like one of the professional songwriters, like uh, Holly Knight, who we talked about with uh, Scandal. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, the fact that she wrote that gave gave it for me a little bit more of a okay, take it seriously.
1: The record-buying, the CD-buying record CD public turned on these guys.
0: Oh, quickly. Quickly. Very
1: quickly. <laughs> and, you know, this had never happened before to our knowledge. I mean, it. there may be some bubblegum pop from the 50s that they put somebody on the cover, and, yeah. you know, who
0: knows? Well, remember, there was some... There was some talk at the time about the monkeys whether they were real, and they didn't play the instruments on their first couple albums. Right. And there was some doubt if they were singing, but they were singing. They were actual singers and professional.
1: They were singers, and Mike Nesmith, who was a guitar player, did not get to play. Right. Because, you know, it's a studio. They don't have time for somebody who's not a professional to take 27 takes, you know, to play a part. (laughs) And so he didn't get to play on it, but eventually they did do their own stuff, and the other guys even learned to play instruments, and they mm-hmm. actually did play live.
0: I think you got it now, Mickey.
1: You know who a lot of their songs are written by?
0: Uh, no. Neil Diamond. Really? Yep. Wow. Harry Nielsen wrote one of them. Did he? Two, yeah, one, one of their earlier ones. I can't remember. It wasn't one of their, it was a big enough hit. It wasn't Daydream Believer or something like that. It was one of their... Um, oh gosh, I'm not going to remember what it was. But yeah, and he made enough money that he could quit working at the bank. <laughs> he worked at a bank. <laughs> You're
1: not the only toy that was ever
0: by boy. Oh yeah, the Archies. Remember the Archies? Sugar Sugar and all that? That was a cartoon right. band. There was nothing real about that at all.
1: So whoever toured with that song did did somebody tour and do sugar sugar I, I have no idea i mean that was way before my time i always loved the song yeah me too but yeah you're right it was just a cartoon
0: on sugar sugar chuck rainey played the bass and you know who he played with right i don't know who that is steely dan he played with steely dan oh did he yeah amazing amazing bass player i don't even like steely dan but he's a great bass player i know
1: you don't you jackass <laughs>
0: I've tried so hard. I mean,
1: it's freaking crazy. They're recorded so awesome. They sound I know, so good.
0: I know. I've watched documentaries about them, and I've tried so hard to like them, but I respect them completely. I just cannot listen to their music.
1: So what about the bugs? (laughs) Do you think those guys on the on that album on the front album? Do you think they were
0: in that band? Probably, I guess. I mean, do you really think that they're playing this so bad? If they're going to spend any money on this, yeah, the playing and singing is really bad. So there was this
1: album that Todd had that was called The Bugs. I still have it. I found another one. Yes, it was a band that was that was probably released during the time of the Beatles. 1964 you know, and they had they had songs on there called like Big Ben Hop uh, what were some of the names of the songs? Oh here
0: hold on just a sec I have it <laughs> I have the record different copy Different copy All right sorry I put it Couldn't in find I, it. I put it away in the wrong spot <laughs> Um let's see So yeah all these songs are like some of them are actual Beatles songs I want to hold your hand she loves you they're performed terribly by the way and then there's one called Mersey Mercy, Mercy. <laughs> Soho Mash, um, East End, London Town, Swing. <laughs> and these they, the names don't have anything to do with the actual lyrics of the song. No,
1: no, they don't. That's
0: what's funny about it.
1: That's why I say that the, the front cover those guys, I'm sure they just took pictures of people. And, and then they just hired musicians to come in and, and play something so that they could take advantage of, of the Beatles and people would buy that album and oh look this has got soho smash on it and and
0: then here's the yeah i don't know if you can see this the beetle beat spelled b-e-e-t-l-e the real way yeah recorded in liverpool or recorded in england but these guys (laughs) these guys were from new york and new jersey so it wasn't recorded in england they weren't english at all yeah it might have been recorded in england that's not where these guys are from i would doubt that it's even recorded in England. The way you are, sassy Sue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sassy Sue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you really love me too. This practice also happened in movies a lot, because a lot of actors couldn't sing. like Especially during the like 40s, 50s, actresses like Marilyn Monroe, Audrey Hepburn... Uh, there are a lot of, lot of famous people who couldn't sing. Huh. So there was a woman named um, Marnie Nixon, and she sang on all that stuff. And she was sworn to secrecy. There's a funny documentary about her on YouTube that's it's worth watching, too. She's the voice behind a lot of those famous musicals like My Fair Lady and just like The King and I and tons of famous stuff. You, you look on the screen and you see Audrey Hepburn. But the voice is actually Marnie Nixon. <laughs> and it's an amazing story. And she's so funny and so interesting. That's worth checking out. Wow.
1: So the American public, or the, the world public, really turned on these guys. And so, well, what are we going to do? Everybody's hating us, but we need to show that we're actually real musicians. So, what did they do?
0: They made an album. They did? Yes. It's called Robin Fab. Did you listen to it? Nope. I did. Well, what'd you think? It is better than you would think. Okay. It's solid.
1: See, so they were actual musicians, and they really got suckered in. So they they made an album. Of course, it wasn't a hit.
0: Do you know partially why it wasn't a hit? Why? Because the record company that they were on kind of folded, and and they'd only produced 2,000 copies of the album. (laughs) So is it on Spotify? Which they sold, no. I had to find it on YouTube. Oh, okay. There's only 2,000 copies of the album, the CD. But the album's not bad. I think it would have been a hit. Hmm but they didn't have any way to capitalize and make more copies of it. So it just kind of went to obscurity.
1: So let's, let's stop here where they went out and tried to make their own album because I don't, I don't want to talk about what happened to these guys later yet. Okay. What happened with their producer with the record-buying public or the whole music business. What did they do or think about that producer?
0: Nothing. He he seems to have gotten away with it completely.
1: And he destroyed those guys' lives. Oh, man. Yeah. Just because he...
0: He flew all the way from Germany to New York to give a press conference just to say, oh, man, these guys didn't even sing on the album. Like, blaming it on them. Like, they were the masterminds behind all that. Like that even makes any sense. Yeah, we'll show them we're not going to sing on our own album. (laughs) This will be great. We'll tour the world and we don't even have to sing. This is
1: awesome. So he basically got away with it. What did he do after this? Did he ever produce again?
0: I don't know, to be honest. Okay. I was so captivated by the early story that I forgot to look up what happened to him.
1: So then what happened to Rob and Fab later on?
0: They... With with the failure of that second album, they both got hooked pretty seriously on drugs, and and crime. Yeah, was it Rob who got involved, like stealing little things, and got some sort of kind of fight with somebody on the street? He he had to go and work at Wendy's. (laughs) Rob did really. So you and Rob have something in common.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I worked at Wendy's when they had the super bar. Um, most people don't know about that, but I was there with the super bar and I was able to make the tacos and, and, and all that stuff on the super bar. Most people don't know that or what the super bar was.
0: <laughs> Rob Pilatus knows that. <laughs> and think about this. How weird would it be for you? You're going into some Wendy's, like, let's say it's in Germany. I don't know where it was. He just said, that's where he worked. You walk in, there's Rob Pilatus <laughs> behind the counter. It's like, welcome to Wendy's. Can I take your order?
1: Yeah, and and him and I could have talked shop about the Super Bar. We could have said, you know, hey, how do you make that taco meat? How do you keep that <laughs> right. salad looking good?
0: Wendy's, where you get the best burgers in the business, introduces the new Super Bar. If you eat all that, I won't be responsible. With delicious foods like Mexican, Italian, in our garden spot, so you can make a meal that's as individual as you are.
1: They fell. They fell pretty hard,
0: and and turned to drugs, and 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 some
1: some crime
0: fab was able to kick it and he wanted to keep trying and they wanted to keep writing songs together rob was not able to do that yeah rob claimed to be he must have been on drugs when he was saying this because he <laughs> claimed in an interview in time magazine that he was the new elvis and that millie yes, and millie yes were more talented than bob dylan paul mccartney and mick jagger <laughs> somebody brought that up in their press conference when they gave back the grammy He asked Rob about that. And Rob's like, oh, I never said that. And the guy's like, I mean, I can read it to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll post a link to that press conference too because it's pretty brutal.
1: And so Rob died. I don't know if it was suicide I've heard that it was, but he did OD from drugs. Whether or not he did it on purpose, I don't know.
0: I didn't see anything about that. Everything I saw was, you know, just drug OD, not on purpose. One thing I love about uh, Fab, he just seems like a great guy. He's become a producer, a musician. He plays multiple instruments. He's a singer, a rapper. He's worked with other people, including some projects with a couple of the singers from Millie Vanilli, one of the real singers. So he's made it his life's goal to, when people think of the words Millie Vanilli, he wants people to think, when you fall, you stand back up. And you got to give it to the guy for that. He just has an indomitable spirit, and he's a pretty talented guy these days, and I'm going to give it to him.
1: It is sad because whenever I hear Milli Vanilli, I just think, oh gosh, I can't believe those guys (laughs) going out there dancing and all this kind of stuff. But really, it was a sad story. They really got snookered into that and got in so deep that they couldn't come out. And then they got caught and then fell. They fell.
0: Well, and then Frank threw him under the bus completely. It's almost like Frank Fran was the bus driver. (laughs) and He like consciously just ran over (laughs) him. He didn't so he wasn't throwing him under, he just ran over him and backed up and rolled over him again.
1: Well, and his name, Millie Vanilli, was not his name. No. So he could walk down the street, nobody knew who the heck he was. I mean, there was people in the music business that did, but the record buying public certainly didn't know who he was because he was never it's almost like Millie Vanilli hired somebody to come out and sing for them and so they could just be on the front, but that's really not what it was. He was the producer.
0: Yeah, it took so long for people to find that out. But it just, it, it really bothers me that Frank Farian has gone on to be just, he just skated off with all his millions of dollars and, okay, just get to live forever, happily ever after. No consequences. Yep. Yeah, I feel bad for those guys. I like to think about them as when you fall, you stand back up. That's thats what I'm taking away from this. Fab just seems like a great guy. He's still around. He's still doing it. He's on Instagram. <laughs> I started following him.
1: So, oh, geez.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's a great guy.
1: Bye, bye, bu- bu- bye, bye, baby. Don't forget
0: my number. Well, you know, sometimes when we've gone through this process of researching people, it, it brings a newfound respect for him. Certainly Rick Astley. I didn't know a thing about Rick Astley. And now I'm obsessed with him. <laughs> I've watched tons of his live performances, and he's killing it.
1: So are there any other... Bands that had done something similar to this? I mean, we know we talked about the Archies, but who, who else?
0: There were a couple of other hip hop bands around the same time. There was one called Black Box. They were Italian. And I guess this, this practice is a lot more common over there when they'd have somebody sing on it. And then they'd have, when they came to performing live, they'd have a, some hot model go out and sing over it, either sing over it or lip sync over it so Black Box was one of those bands and they used the audio from a woman named Martha Wash you might know her, she was from Weather Girls, Hallelujah, It's Raining Man and all that, Really, the producers brought her in just to sing like demos and stuff and sing a version of a Earth, Wind & Fire song and they ended up chopping up her vocal takes and building little songs around them, didn't pay her anything for it, and she found out about it, she'd started to hear them on the radio and She's like, uh, that's me. So she had, she had to sue them to get some money from them. At the same time, there was a second band, like maybe months after that, and they were called CNC Music Factory.
1: Oh, really? You're going to know
0: all these songs. No, I know them. Yeah, they were huge hits. They also used Martha Wash. <laughs> she had to sue them too.
1: But and they would just put people on the cover that were just models. Yes. But I mean, that was obvious that it was just a production team, really. So, were there any other bands that did? Did fakery like that?
0: Um, not that we're famous like that, because by then, after the fall of Milli Vanilli and after the uh, CNC Music Factory and Black Box got sued so bad, they're like, all right, well, was that practice fell out of favor and people just weren't gonna sing. These days, they would just been auto tuned to death like everybody else is, and it wouldn't have been any any scandal at all.
1: You mean if it would have been their real voices?
0: Yeah, yeah, they could have used Robin Fab, and Robin Fab's voices aren't even bad. Like if you listen to their album. They're perfectly, perfectly good. Of course, they—I guess—they had been taking lessons by then, but they could sing even in their even in their press conference. Like people are being pretty mean to them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, sing! Why don't you sing right now? Why don't you sing right now?" And Rob's like, "This is so stupid." <laughs> and then they finally, people are like, "No, sing, sing, sing!" So they stand up, and he goes, "Girl, you know it's true." And they rap, and he sounds like "Ooh, ooh, ooh, I love you," and it's pitch, pitch perfect, and everybody starts clapping and stuff. It's like. It's just insane. They just really got a rough, rough deal. Time. How do we know you're not lying again? Sing now. What? Sing now. Sing now. Sing now. Sing. All right. Okay, okay, we do this. I sing and you sing all, fam. We sing all in the chorus. You're singing the chorus, okay? No, 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 no. Girl, you know Okay. Good. 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 you you're a my mind and you don't want to think about most every time when you practice smile and everything you do All right. <laughs> so we give this track back now
1: so Millie vanilli the story is a really really sad one I agree and um you know, I guess I'm glad that it kind of turned out okay for one person. Mm-hmm.
0: I would say listen to that Robin Fab album because it's—I mean—give it a listen. I'll put a link to it. Check him out. Give him a little love. <laughs> He—they de- deserve it.
1: <laughs> All right, I—I actually—I will—I will listen to it tonight while I'm sleeping. While I'm sleeping, that doesn't make sense. I mean, I listen to things while I go to sleep, and I'll, I'll do that tonight.
0: It's worth your time. I mean, I'm not going to say it's the greatest thing ever. It's not our style, but it is way better than you would think and when they went to perform live on the Arsenio Hall show at the time, they had a live band on the show and they're performing live, you can tell. All the instruments are live and they tear it up. (laughs) That's worth checking out too. It's really good. They had to be so nervous, but oh my gosh, they just crushed it. So yeah, that's worth checking out.
1: All right, I will check it out tonight. Cool. So now now they're having a 35th anniversary version of Millie Vanilli's coming out this next week and uh, remastered with even new singers. Oh. Just
0: kidding.
1: <laughs> but there, there is a documentary coming out later yeah, this
0: month. here at the end of the month. So we got in here just in time. That's great. I've wanted to do this. This is one of the stories I wanted to do originally early on, but I'm glad we waited because uh, now we know what we're doing a lot more.
1: (laughs) Um, If you want to get a chance, listen to some of our other podcasts. The last one we did was about our love for the band Crowded House. You may know them from only their few hits, but they have a whole repertoire of great albums with great songs. Yes, they do. talked about um,
0: Motley Crue.
1: Motley Crew, Rick Astley. I mean, how many have we done? We've done, there's probably 20, almost 20, 20 of them in there. I think we're actually, we are on episode 22. We just finished. Yeah. So. so
0: this is 23, right? I think.
1: Yep. So there's plenty to go back and listen to. If you're on your way to the beach this weekend, I know it's getting cold, but not for me. It's still hot down here. <laughs> take a, take a okay. listen to, to a few of our podcasts <laughs> and uh, tell us what you think. Drop us a line. Check us out on our website, tapeheadspod.com,
0: tapeheadspod.com,
1: tapeheadspod.com. All right, well, thanks for joining us, guys. You have a good one, and I will catch you in a couple weeks.
0: All right, have fun. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.